Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead, but not a good resource for learning how to join the Nerf Special Forces. Is that a real special force? Well, if it is, I'm probably in trouble for even talking about it. That's fair. I miss Nerf guns. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. We I, have should, I should get the one gun. out of the closet, and we then... One right there. I'm going to get the one out of my closet, and I'm going to ambush Ashley as soon as she gets home from her hard day at work. You should do that. I'm going to do it. I absolutely... And the thing Condone is, this. she won't see this message. And if she did see it, it would be far after it already happened. So yeah. this is being recorded perfect several trap. days in advance. Perfect so trap. She'll never see it coming. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's an elephant in the room, I guess. Well, number one, you're back. Welcome back. I am back. Oh, oh yeah, back I was not in the last one. That's no, true. You, you weren't on I the forgot last that one. there was one where I wasn't because I wasn't there, so I don't remember it. People missed you. I don't know why. Um, you don't read the comments on the YouTube channel, do you? Not unless Ashley reads them and then tells me about a specific one that I need to respond to. Then I will occasionally go and look at it. I, yeah. I just I don't want to uh, crowdsource my self-esteem, so I try not to pay too much attention to comments. Well, we had one that says, Martin, boo. I think they're, just, they're booing me. So that whole podcast... Um, mutiny thing that you talked about. Like, oh, I do like a good ago. mutiny. We could totally do that. Martin's been kidnapped by the cult of podcasts for being too cool and showing them up. This is just mm. propaganda. Thomas is doing this against his will to cover their tracks and convince you to yeah. follow them instead. So, uh, you know about the Illuminati? Yeah. You won't see me in another episode <laughs> now. <laughs> this is my last one. Uh, yeah. Pe- I miss Martin too. So, yeah. People. Ow. People missed you. Uh, so, where were you? Uh, well, I spent, I guess, I don't know where I specifically was when you were recording. I don't remember. But I may have been in any combination of hospitals or emergency rooms or hand surgeon's offices. You know, yeah. Lots of fun stuff. So, uh, you know, we went to Minnesota. You were there. You remember? I it, was there. It was Minnesota. Uh, we tried this downhill mountain biking thing. And apparently, so, you know, apparently... Even a beginner downhill mountain bike isn't a great idea when you don't even know how to flat mountain bike. Yeah. Not really even familiar with the bike's uh, turning or brakes because they're different than, like, my casual townie that I just, like, lazily roll through Mm -hmm. paved roads on. So didn't really have the techniques to even, like, go around a turn on that kind of thing. And yet when you're going downhill, what happens is you keep going – Unless you ride the brakes the yeah. whole way, which is still scary. And the thing is, there are also like eight people behind you. So you can't just stop or people are just going to run into you. So uh, I, I failed to foresee uh, that risk. And so I went around this completely blind curve. And my main focus was on making the curve. Because yeah. still going a little faster than I wanted to, slowing down, going around the curve. What I didn't expect was that right after the curve was an elevation in the soil. So then mm-hmm. the next part's kind of blank, but I definitely then flip somehow and slam my face into the ground, and I just suddenly have a mouthful of dirt, and I'm covered in blood. Yep. And, and, and that is uh, when I, I looked back and saw you on the ground. Yeah. And so I'm confused, but my first reaction is I pulled a bike off the trail because I don't want people to if people run me over like what happens if somebody crashes right it, what if I was dead the next person yeah. then flips over the dead guy leaving another dead guy the next person 
flips over that person, and then the second person, and then dead guys all the way down. Yes, dead guys all the way down. Well, there's some dead girls too, unless they're too good at this and they see it coming. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I was one of the dead guys in this. Well, you fell before the roller, so there wasn't even like a jump to jump over. No, there was there was nothing. I would have just been right in the way. So I'm confused, you know. And eventually, you you find me. We walk down. It's great. Um, Let's see. We then. Because you were very adamant. Oh about, yes. Oh or no. One because it was Labor Day, and because you were very yeah, adamant so, about so seeing it's Labor Lake Day. So the, so the urgent care is closed. We go to the urgent care. It's closed, and at the time Dumb. we didn't think it was bad enough to need ER, so we just went and no. saw the lake. Oh no, I'm stubborn about that. Yeah. But it, it, whatever, I'm I'm stubborn about not going to emergency rooms because they're expensive. Uh, eventually I caved, but I digress. So that place was closed, but I wanted to see Lake Superior mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be so big that at least in some parts it feels like an ocean. And I would agree with that, having seen it now. But it's like I'm covered in my own blood, just all over my shirt and everything. I'm just, I can't move my finger. And I'm just standing on like these rocks at the edge of the lake. I'm sure everybody else there was like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Why is he hanging out there? Being awesome. But that's one of the main things I wanted to see there. So yep. it was unacceptable to me that I would have to drive back 14 hours without seeing it also injured. Not yeah. Not acceptable. So we did that. Later, later I did go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Because uh, – so the last time I was stubborn about an emergency room was uh, after Sky Zone broke a little bone in my ankle. Yeah. And my stubbornness meant that I don't know if they could have done anything – but there's a little piece of bone floating around in there forever, and maybe they could have done something smarter than let me not walk for a while. Yeah. So I decided let's not risk that because I can't move my finger. It turns out I did break it. I snapped the tip of it in half, and uh, I had this huge laceration on my nose. They stitched that together. That was great. So first time mountain biking, first time getting stitches, first time being put under anesthetic for surgery, and yeah. had first time having surgery. Lots of firsts. Great trip. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Dad loved it. America loved America it. America loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well so far. It didn't work out pretty well, actually. Yeah. I, I guess the good news is, um, but before we go too far into this, it does seem like I should regain most functionality, if not everything, in yeah. my finger. There are just screws in it now. Which makes me feel a the, lot the, better the, about the this. Scr- the screws hold the, the bones together so they can heal together. Also, it's you can't see it even if you're watching because there's this splint on here to hold it and keep it protected. There's, it basically looks like somebody put a nail directly into my finger, and yeah. it's a very unsettling thing to know about when it's your finger. It's very weird. Yep. Don't bump it. I'll be sad. So I suppose what we're going to talk about for the most of this episode is some of the lessons that you learned from this because they actually it turned out to be a very enlightening experience yeah. in some unforeseen ways. Yeah. I want to talk about some things I learned. Okay. Um, That's good. You probably learned some stuff like yeah, don't put Martin on the mountain bike oh, trail. Oh, I did. So it was really funny. On your Instagram, there was a, a comment from somebody saying like, by, by chance did Thomas have anything to do with you going mountain biking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they called you out so fast. They really did. Uh, and I mean, I, I guess like at this point we can say why we were there because we've decided. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, um, pretty sold. So I mean, on our house buying episode, we talked about the fact that we were planning on moving back to Iowa. Um, but because I am an extreme sports junkie and would like to live in a place that is not just flat plains land, we, we just basically shifted that to potentially moving to Minneapolis instead. And we went out there with the intent to basically evaluate the city. 
Yeah. Part of that was me needing to to know, like, is there a place I can mountain bike in Minnesota? Because I live in Colorado. I live in, like, basically one of the two mountain biking capitals of at least the United States. Yeah. If not the world, the other one being Utah. So I'm, like, leaving that. And I learned, uh, thanks to a channel called Seth's Bike Hacks, that in Duluth, Minnesota, there is a downhill lift-accessed mountain biking place. So I had done downhill once, and I started mountain biking – I mean, really only about a month ago. So it's kind of a new hobby for me. So we all went up there as part of our trip and I wanted to go and I guess this is one of the big lessons I learned. I assumed that because I felt confident and ready for it, that you would too. And my assumption came from a few different places. One being that you have skateboarded and longboarded with me and rollerbladed with me. So I'm like, okay, Martin has if not the same breadth of experience in action sports, at least like some of the same capabilities in other areas. So I'm like, all right, he's ridden bikes a lot on the road and done all these mountain biking, everything, not mountain biking, like skateboarding, rollerblading, all that kind of stuff. I think he'll adapt as quickly as I did. Uh, So that was assumption number one. And then the assumption number two was that my very limited time mountain biking didn't really matter that much in terms of skill development. So really it was, mm. it was a case of like hubris on my part, but like me putting <clears throat> hubris onto you. Yeah. I was very, I was like, as soon as we were jumping over rocks first thing, I was like, mm. and the other thing that I learned is spirit mountains, green runs are not green because like, so I've been to Aspen downhill park. That was the first one I went to. And then I have now been to Trestle and I think that the greens at Spirit were more difficult than either one. I really thought it would be kind of a mildly sloping, but not too steep, mostly just dirt with the occasional, like, those turny parts, those things. I didn't expect going off of stuff. I didn't expect it either. And sharp blind curves with, yeah, like, I can't see past that. It's a blind curve. The green I did in Aspen was that. It was, I mean, it was fast, but it was flowy smooth single track dirt with some berms and that was about it yeah that's so what i was I like was, okay i think I mark can handle that because I, I was like and we got to the top and i'm like all right here's how you break here's how you position your body over the bike like here's how you turn um but it was it was just more than than i was expecting and it was clearly yeah. more than you well, were and, and you're already on it by the time you see this yes you're like oh well there are people coming <laughs> i got yeah, I, I guess I'll, my plan was just to get to the bottom, say, I think this was actually more than I was ready for, and then not go again. I just yeah. didn't make it to the bottom to do that part. Yes. So uh, my public service announcement to the world here is if you're interested in mountain biking and you're, you see my pictures on Instagram or whatever, don't do downhill. Like oh, You lose so much control. Don't make it your first time. Don't make it even maybe your fifth time. Like go do other things. You should things. be good on on the like yes regular tracks. Um, and if you can find a park in the city that has jumps and pump tracks and stuff like that. And this is another lesson I learned. I took Anna to one of the dirt like bike parks in Denver, and I was like, Anna's ridden Ragbri with me, so she's ridden fifty miles in a day with me before. So my thinking is Anna is great on the bike. Like she's going to have no problem with this stuff. And she gets into the pump track, which is just like a really small, basically flat area with small rollers. So like not jumps, but just like little hill things. And then uh, burns. So just like a, you know, 180 degree turn. That's like a wide 
sloping thing. Like if you ever watched a NASCAR race, you know how like the turns kind of like slope up a little bit instead of just being flat. Yeah. So the, yeah. Uh, you know, the forces can be transferred into the turn instead of flipping your car over. Um, and I'm like, okay, she's great on the bike. She's going to have no problem going around this turn on the berm. And it actually took her about three or four times having to basically like lightly fall off the bike onto her feet, but like she wasn't able to stay on the bike in the turn. And it took her three or four times practicing, actually getting the confidence to go around that even tiny berm. So your experience and her experience taught me riding a bike on the road does not prepare you for riding a bike in the dirt. You need to be very gradual with that skill progression. Yeah. And this is why I feel bad about this because I feel like I encouraged you to go too far too fast. Oh, I was definitely not going to do it if you weren't. Yeah. So that did happen, but I'm also glad I did it though. Okay. Now that I know I'm going to be, I'm annoyed about the surgery and all this stuff, you know, but I'm glad that I wasn't willing to let hesitation or fear keep me from trying things. Yes, rolled the dice and it kind of sucked this time. Mm -hmm. But if I let that become my rule, I will never do anything. True. Yeah. You know, so I can't, I can't live my whole life in fear. Sometimes bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I wonder if it would have been better to even like, you know, because this is the first time I've fallen off of something like that, not on purpose, in oh, mem- in memory. You've, you've had to bail before, in but memory. it's always been yeah, like cause on I'll, purpose. I'll bail on rollerblades. I did that to avoid getting my knees crushed by a speeding car going downhill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bailed on the longboard once going downhill because I could say, oh, I'm losing control of the board. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump into the dirt. I'm going to roll a little bit. It's going to – maybe I'll sprain my wrist, but I'll be fine. Yeah. Whereas on a bike, like – I don't really know how to bail on something that's in be- you I'm can. not as good at bailing on that. Actually, it's more obvious to me to bail on a skateboard because so, you just jump right off. There's nothing in the way. True. For video audience, um, I have a big old scab on my arm right now. When I went up to Trestle, I did have to bail once. Okay. I feel like bailing on a bike might just be something I haven't, I've never had to do it before. Yeah. So I don't even know, like, because, you, you know, it's, well, it's like scary because your like, legs. Exactly. You're like, how do There's I something disentangle in the way. myself from this bike? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the, uh, how it went for me was I did what's called a low side where my bike lost traction. So it slid out, but I fell backwards essentially, like as in the bike skidded out in one direction and I fell to the okay. back of the direction it was going. So I just basically like slid out, let the bike sort of travel away from me. Mm. And then I got my scrape, but that was it. Yeah. I Whereas didn't do that. I think you high sided where the bike flipped and then you either went over the handlebars or you went yeah i wish i remembered that the, part the way it was falling i think it was side okay so you you high sided which is the way much uh the worst way to go because you're flipping over it wasn't great and then the bike can come and hit you in the you know afterwards it did not do that i didn't do that i did so not that get nice. hit extra by the bike uh oh also also um to justify the title right uh, so it's worth noting that I was wearing one of those big old helmets that like covers full your face helmet. Jo- full face helmet. Yeah, yep. I didn't know the words. I will never be on a mountain bike without one because the thing is, I cut my nose real good. You could basically flip open the skin. They had to stitch it real good. Yeah, and uh, that was with like five or six inches of helmet blocking my jaw and face from hitting the ground. Yep. Without and I had a mouthful of dirt. My mouth still got filled with dirt somehow. Without that helmet, even if I was wearing just a top one, I think I would have at least smashed my jaw and nose, and uh, very plausibly broken my neck. Yeah, yeah, it could have been bad. It was it was a bad enough hit to go through 
the helmet mm-hmm. and still hit my face. And there were like rocks in the ground. So I will be a helmet evangelist forever. Yeah. I, I almost didn't wear that one because I was like, it's like squeezing my cheekbones. It's not comfortable. Yep. But uh, it would have been less comfortable if I was either dead or couldn't talk right now due to breaking my jaw open. Yep. Neither of those would have been great. So it was actually quite quite a weird thing because it happened so fast. You and know, that's the crazy thing. You can't out of nowhere. anticipate it, right? It, it comes at the, the last possible expected no, I, moment. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like it's and that there's all this, oh, it won't happen to me. I'll be fine. I can get down. But yep. it literally, the potential for me to either be permanently disabled or killed took like half a second to happen yep. out of nowhere. So I, I'm so glad I bought the, like the, I rented the elbow pads and knee pads too because mm-hmm. I scraped up the top of my knee real bad and I, yeah. it like hurt a little bit. So I probably could have done worse there too. But it was definitely a dangerous fall. If I had not chosen to deal with the uncomfortable cheeks and go with that helmet, I would be very bad right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is uh, my take from this. If you're going to get into mountain biking, if you're just going to be doing like, you know, gradual single track, you know, cross country stuff, maybe a full face isn't warranted. But if you're going to a downhill park or if you're going to a park with jumps, yeah, get the full face. I'm very, very glad that you were wearing it. Um, the first time that I went and rented mountain bikes, my cousin, we were, we just rented regular helmets. Luckily, nobody fell. And then I did my first downhill at Aspen with a regular helmet. Luckily, it didn't fall. But when it happened to you, I went out and I bought a full face. Yeah. Like, I, the day I, will I got back. never even consider going downhill without that or mm-hmm. doing jumps or anything. Because the thing is, uh, one, I talk. That's what I'm, I talk. It is part of your job. For, yes. It's part of my job. And it's, also, nice it's nice to, to communicate to with people. And I love foreign language. And I would be very upset if I either couldn't speak it or couldn't even reproduce the accents because of an injury to yeah. something in there. That would be upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I will lose probably nothing long term. Yep. So thank thank helmets. Thank Big Helmet. They're the yeah, conspiracy I can get behind. <laughs> There's this video of a downhill longboarder. Oh, I've seen this one. It's oh, it's so he uh, he's coming down this hill, and the way that longboarders slow down is they they skid like snowboarders. They like make it kind of like yeah. sideways ish to stop. Yeah, they it. literally skid the wheel sideways. So he does it to where his back is facing downhill. And it's not enough, so he just falls back, and he flies through the air, probably about 10 feet, lands on his back, but then his head just whips down to the concrete. Yeah. He's wearing a helmet, so he gets up, and he's just like, I love helmets. <laughs> I love helmets. Yeah, because yeah, he <laughs> – Oh, man. Ooh, helmets are good. Yeah, so – They feel uncool, but they're So is this one nice. of your lessons then out of the three? Oh, no, this is just uh, to is justify like the title. Oh, okay. This is to justify. I'm not. I'm not trying to be over dramatic here. The nurse was very seriously like, if I wasn't mm-hmm. wearing that, I might be dead right now. Yeah. And it's weird to think about that in reflection. How quickly it could have happened. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm not. I'm not just trying to clickbait. Uh, anyway, so where where are your protective gear? And this, I think, this goes for any sport. Like, you and I have probably climbed some things on hikes. That we shouldn't have climbed. I have definitely said this is a dumb decision, Tom. Why would you do that? And then I did it. Yeah, you and I both <laughs> did it. Like we were, we were kind of clung to some like class four, possibly class five stuff, and Bear Peak. And in hindsight, like shouldn't have done that. Should have had gear. Yeah. So now that it's happened, and so this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I, I hate that I'm like 
taking advantage of something that's happened to you to like pull a lesson for myself because it makes me feel guilty about it. But I, I feel like you can learn just as much from a mistake or something bad that happens to someone else as you can from when that happens to you, as long as you take it seriously enough. Yeah. As long as you're not like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. I would never accidentally fall after going around a blind curve and hitting an elevation in the soil while uncontrollably going fast downhill. Yeah. Because clearly my instincts are such that no blind curve is blind for me. I can just, I see it. And it would be very easy for me to think that because like, I've ridden those trails. Well, like, if, I can if you're confident it, but... in your skill level, it's easy to just say, mm-hmm. well, I have a 100% chance of not messing up. Why would I mess up? But what that means is I'm likely to go onto something that is beyond my skill level because I have, and I, I realize this in myself, I have the potential to be overconfident in my skills, which, I mean, when I went to Trestle, I was on black diamond runs and the scars on my arm right now, I fell. And the reason I fell is because I was riding Rainbaker, a black diamond trail, and I saw a jump and I saw to the side of a jump, a, like a kind of angled curvy jump. And I was like, I've never ridden this trail before. I'm, I'm riding it blind, but I'm gonna take that jump. Why not? So I took it and I didn't know it was on the other side of the jump. Well, what was on the other side of that little angly jump was a bunch of loose dirt that gave my bike no traction. Mm. So and that's why I fell. The bike skidded out. The tires well, couldn't, there you go. couldn't bite the ground enough, and I low sided. At least you didn't get hurt that bad, though. I didn't get hurt you just, badly. Like, scraped your arm. I, you know, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough not to get hurt, and I was wearing all the protective gear. But again, I, I'm trying to take seriously what happened to you because I know that the same thing could happen. Oh, to it's me. like it's like a dice roll. Yeah. That separated the severity of an accident. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think like I think I take I it more seriously luck. because I'm you know very close to you and I was literally there when it happened. Oh, so, if a stranger gets hurt, it's hard to f- you know because a lot a yeah. lot of people aren't empathetic to things until it happens to them or their family or their friends, and mm-hmm. then they're like, oh wait, I do take this seriously now. But yeah, you uh, have to learn to um, to discount all of like, or you have to learn to sort of not let your emotions discount the facts. Yeah. So like, you know, you're so far away from something that happened. You're so distanced from it that you say like, that's not going to happen to me. That's not significant to me. You know, I'm, I'm not one of the outliers. It's easier to kind of quell those voices when it happens to somebody very close to you or when it happens to your riding buddy on the trail. Yeah. So yeah, wear your helmets. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. All right. So do you have anything else that you, you learned from this? Uh, I probably do, but those were the main things. It was wear okay. helmets, but also do your best to learn from the misfortunes and mistakes, you know, all those kind of things that other people go through if you can. I don't think that you have to fail in a certain dimension to learn how to not fail there again. You yeah. can learn to anticipate and see, you know, the factors and the signals that will cause something to happen based on the stories from someone else. Cool. All right. So anyway, the three things, three main things I learned. These, these are going to be like overall life things that I learned because, uh, um, well, the first lesson, it, it'll all explain it. So the first lesson is to get through my biggest fears. I basically need to tackle them head on. This sucks. I already kind of know it because it's part of my treatment for obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so the very first thing was forced practice for something that I've, I dreaded and I hated the idea. When the first guy told me I'm probably going to need stitches, I was like, I don't want to get stitches. I've never had stitches. I don't know how that mm. works. I hate things that I can't predict like that. But, uh, you know, I had to do that. I didn't have a choice. That happened in the ER right there that night. And when he was putting these nu- the needles with the numbing stuff seemed way too long. I don't really know where they went. 
And I yeah. don't like that. But the whole time I was just like, I hate everything about this. Everything except you. You're cool. But I hate everything about this <laughs> because like, yes, it caused me great anxiety because I hated it. But like you keep going through it until it's in your past and then it's okay. Yeah. Unless it traumatizes you. But that was that was fine. So basically I had to push through. But that was nothing because I've also been kind of terrified of the idea of surgery forever. Yeah. I don't like the idea, the idea of anesthetics and being put under and uh and you had never done it before i had never done it before i've been putting off getting my wisdom teeth out for years because similarly so that was the reason because i'm i'm scared to be put under yeah specifically i don't like losing control even i'm not even awake right so i can't even watch and be like making sure they're doing what they're supposed to or that they're doing it right even though why would i be the expert i wouldn't i just don't like losing control yeah and you know you sign the waiver and like it's very explicitly like in rare cases you might die you might not wake up from this so basically so given the obsessive compulsive disorder naturally i thought about this the whole time and i've ramped it up to basically i i basically felt like i was going to die you know it was pretty pretty stressful so uh when i go to the hand surgeon he's basically like you're going to need surgery for this and i'm like ah, fine and then they're like okay we'll look at dates we're looking at tomorrow, and I was like, why? So you get no time. I guess that's better than thinking about it for a week. Fine. I hate you, but schedule it. Yeah. And so I spend that whole day now. Like, I, I get back, and I feel like it's my last day. You know, everybody says live like it's your last day. I actually felt like it was because I was so scared of getting put under. Yeah. You know, because I could die just like I could fall on the mountain bike. It could happen. It's not likely, and I didn't. But... So I spent that whole day, like, uh, uh, we made, we made this pumpkin crisp. We made a great dinner. We, uh, I, sp- I spent more time with Ashley than I normally feel like I get to because all of this stuff that I had been afraid about for the future, all the guilt that usually makes me work harder was gone. What does it matter if you think you're about to die? Right. Uh, but so when I had to do that and I had to go to the operating room and I had to do all this stuff and they were like explaining all the anesthetics and I was like, I hate everything about this, but I understand that I can't really pull this IV out, run and say, ha ha, I'm just going to have arthritis and a messed up finger forever. You can't fool me. Like, I know it's the right decision to do it. Yeah. Even though I literally have like the maximum amount of anxiety you can feel about something. Because mm-hmm. I, I really accepted it. And enjoyed that day, the previous day and the whole morning. I finished yeah. a book. I went outside. I just, in the waiting room, I just stared at how the sun was hitting tree leaves. And I accepted it. And that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. So I had to let them do something I hated more than anything. And afterward, now I'm not as scared of it. It's terrifying and nothing about it could have changed that. But the important lesson is that I still just had to do it. I just had to do it. And I'm going to try to apply that same thing to my fear of planes since I've never been Mm. on one. Because nothing I say, nothing I research, nothing will ever make that feel better to me because it's not my experience. I haven't personally seen what it's like or felt it. Yeah. You know, you could tell me all day, oh, I've been put to sleep tons of times. I've had tons of surgeries. And then there's still going to be a part of my stupid brain that's going to be like, yeah, well, uh, what if it like killed the first version of you and like a parallel universe version woke up? I wouldn't know, right? So maybe you guys won't think I'm dead, but I'll be dead. Yeah. What? It doesn't make any sense, but nothing can disprove that to me until I do it. Mm-hmm. So 
I was forced to learn this lesson, but I think I'm going to try to do it with planes. Okay. Nothing can, nothing can get you through those biggest fears other than proving they're not as bad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is the the ultimate silver lining to this experience. Yeah. Because I, I was starting to get to the point where I'm like, I don't know if you're ever going to go on a plane because there's nothing forcing you to do it. Especially no. like, you, you know, you drove to Portland and that's, what is that? Yeah, and I liked that. 20 hours or something? The only like thing that would have had to force me would be like trying to go to Japan or something. Yeah, Except yeah. for a little part of me was still like, can I get on a ridiculous boat even though that's way more risky? You can. Like, you, like you, you can actually charter a room on a container I ship. would have considered it. You can do it. It takes two weeks. I would have considered that ridiculous. That does sound like a cool adventure <laughs> to do like once, but like as a general transportation form, probably yeah. not reasonable. I remember I, there was, I was following a blog from a guy who was, uh, he was trying to circumnavigate the globe without using a plane. So that was his uh, yeah. method of getting across the Pacific Ocean. I may have seen that while researching how to avoid planes. Mm-hmm. Do I remember, I, I think I remember him saying, this was an experience that I, I'm glad I did and I'll never do it again. Yeah, it's like one of it's, it's two like two weeks, and you're basically by yourself because the crew's got work to do all day. Well, that's like a story that you get to tell forever. Yeah, but it's it's not like you want to do it a second time. Even mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to do it a second time. But it's very possible that uh, fear could have kept me from doing it because the belief that you were not supposed to that the solution to getting through something that causes you anxiety or fear is to wait until it's not so scary. Yeah, that's just always scary. That doesn't make any sense because every single time I avoid flying, every single time I avoid a surgery, I'm still safe. So my mind is like, see that? You're still safe Yeah. because you didn't get on the plane. huh? It's like uh, I scare off rhinos. Look, there are no rhinos. Like you, you have really dumb anti-proof or something yeah. that just makes it scarier and scarier as you're like, well, what if the only reason I ever survived was because I kept not doing that thing? Yeah, yeah. So... Basically, it's it's not going to get much better. You just have to accept that sometimes the present sucks, mm-hmm. and you just have to keep doing that until it's not the present anymore. And now it's fine. It's in the past, and I can let that diminish in my memory as much as I want. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this isn't a great price to have to pay for for that revelation, but it is worth something. No, I, it's, it's a useful thing. Um, and related to that, my second lesson here is that I've been relying too much on negative motivators instead of positive motivators. Yeah. So things like uh, guilt, uh, overly high expectations of myself, overly high expectations for how much absurd numbers I should have in the bank for no reason, really, really nothing behind it that makes sense. But a lot of like pressure that I put on myself all the time. So I work hard because I'm a worthless failure if I don't. Right. Is that kind of motivation has been my primary motivation for a while. And it's not that great of a motivator. I think that those disappeared as soon as I thought I was going to die. You know, as soon as I was like, I might die in surgery, that might happen. Then the the future wasn't real anymore. So all mm. those motivators went away and I was like, hey, what is this like calm free time thing that yeah. I'm doing? This is nice. And it made me realize that I should be focusing more on the positive motivators. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to do this and do a good job of it. I'm having fun. I'm, I'm, I'm like anything that isn't based on, I will punish myself mentally if I fail this. I would rather have, I will reward myself mentally if I do this. So negative motivators, I think, are gonna take away a lot of value. 
from anything that you might do, even if you succeed, because it still won't be enough. There's always room to be more negative. Do you think that there's a way that you would have ever learned this without going through something traumatic? Because, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I mean, you personally have talked about like accomplishment journals and all these methods for yeah for gaining positive motivation and yet like you were unable to find it on a consistent basis for yourself. Yeah, I've been like in and out, in and out of positive like positive moods for a while and then just back to the back to the negative stuff. And I think that maybe eventually with a life shift, mm-hmm. maybe after moving Maybe yeah. after moving, you know, like you feel like your life starts over at right. certain periods. Um, I think that I've been getting better at it. Overall, the accomplishment journal was a great idea, mm. and I've been getting a lot better this year than I was last year. But this kind of supercharged all lessons because yeah. it was a huge. And uh, I think that I wouldn't have thought that so quickly because every single night since then, like, and obviously I'm limited. I can't do everything. I can't exactly program at the same speed I was because there's a nail in my finger. Yeah. Why would you put that in my finger? Um, but I've been spending much more time with Ashley, mm-hmm. going for walks every day just because, like, really uh, reading. I, st- I started reading again. And I finished a book I had been on for, like, two months because I made everything about finishing things. Yeah, And now I'm just rereading Harry Potter because I felt like it, not because I thought it was supposedly a good idea to get through my to-read list or something. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of just been appreciating a lot of things more because I'm not so focused on the, no, you don't have time to do that. You're failing right now. Yeah. Now I'm just like, uh, I'll just, like, I'll do the work, but I'm going to actually clock out for once. Yeah. And that actually is my third lesson is that I need to be disciplined about taking breaks from discipline. Okay, so actually, actually clocking out. Yeah, which we we've again talked about so many times, but yeah. it's it's hard oh, to put it in so, practice. It's so hard to to put into practice because oh, it's so easy to be disciplined about disciplining yourself. They go together. It makes sense. But then as mm-hmm. soon as there's a break, there's I could, I could work harder instead of taking a break. Maybe yeah. I would get more imaginary rewards for the future. But now I'm like, <clears throat> but I could have died within like a half a second span. And all that work. And that would, that would, I'm saving up so much for the future, right, that I'm ignoring the present. So, like, everybody says, everybody's heard, like, live each day like it's your last. It's it's all poetic and happy and stuff. But the reason we ignore it is because that's dumb advice. You should live, unless you're actually dying and you know it, like, quickly, you should not do that because then I don't know what I'm eating tomorrow because I lived today like it was my last, burned my house down because I thought fire was pretty and ate the last of my food and the money's gone. I yeah, can't. even squirrels don't do that. No, that's dumb. You like, have they to, kind of you have know to plan to save for the up. future. <laughs> you have to plan for the future a yeah. little bit, or you'd never bother going to school. You'd never have savings to protect you when an injury occurs. Mm-hmm. You'd have because you'd be like, "Well, I thought I was going to die yesterday, so I kind of didn't get health insurance." And then the doctor's just going to think you're stupid because that's not a good explanation. Yeah. So the real thing that I want to make a point to do here is, uh, like, I want to make sure that I have some free time. Not, not free time that I'm putting into projects. I want to have that time too. But I want to have some uh, just relaxing free time mm-hmm. on the average day. I can't have it every day. But some time and then spend all relaxing free time like it's your last relaxing free time. Yeah. That gives me room to be responsible for part of the day, do my work, maybe work on a side project. 
But on the average day, I want to make sure I have at least a little bit where I'm just kind of hanging out, doing stuff with Ashley, reading, doing something for pleasure mm-hmm. and, and and rest. And then I want to spend that like it was my last rest. Like I spent that day. We cooked food. I read books. We watched some stuff, went for a walk, did all this stuff where I was like, I guess if this did end up happening to be the end, I'd be okay. And, like, you can't do that all day long because then you don't do anything. Yeah. So it's really just spend your free time like it's your last. And I need to respect my own free time because, mm-hmm. you know, this is why it's like, oh, don't – oh, look, I'm scrolling through Instagram. This is a bad use of my free time, my yeah. very limited free time. I should use it doing something else. Maybe I'll check Instagram occasionally. But if I find myself being mindless, I should remember, what if this was my last free time? Yeah. That's actually – that's a – Good point. Yeah, because other, otherwise we just dismiss that every, live, live each day like it's your last. You mm-hmm. just dismiss it because it doesn't help you with your job, you know? That's a really good point. I'm actually I'm writing a video about, like, social media addiction right now. And one of the main points is, um, like, you have to have priorities. And I, I think there's this quote from Peter Drucker who's like, if you tell me what your priorities and values are, I might believe you. But to really find out, I'm going to look at your pocketbook and your calendar. I want to see like what you're, what are you actually spending your time and your money on? Yeah, and your, your two finite resources. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, if you know if you're using your your time to scroll through Instagram, then whatever you stated your priorities were, those aren't actually your priorities, you know, or or you haven't committed enough to them. So, and you know, maybe it takes something traumatic like this to really remind you that like these are the things that I value. It's just so easy to put them off because I feel like I can do them for the rest of my life. And that yeah. feels like 70 more years. You yeah, know? It, fe- it absolutely feels like, why bother hiking this weekend? This weekend, I'm going to catch up on a work project because I could hike <clears throat> next weekend. I'm still going to be here, I assume, blindly. Mm-hmm. That That's not, like, useful. Yeah, exactly. So, all in all, not yeah. a great experience, but not that great, some but stuff like, came of it. Like, a lot of stuff sucked in there. I don't want to, I don't really want another, I'm probably going to put off my wisdom teeth for a little bit so I don't have two surgeries this year. I want to get through autumn and enjoy it first, but, but wait, you should do, you should, well, (laughs) no, autumn's my favorite. (laughs) There's a part of me that's like, but you've probably already hit your deductible for the year, so you should do it this year. So oh, we'll see. Once, once I get all the bills, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. Once I get all the bills, those will probably show up in a month or so and we'll see what happens there. But, oh yeah, I guess another point is uh, anybody who follows me on Instagram, may have noted that yesterday I posted my first non-like macro in a while because I care so much now about not wasting my time that with I had like surgical wrapping all over my left arm. So right now I've only got a splint on the finger. Mm-hmm. Technically, I can kind of use the other fingers with the limitation that if I use them too much, it really hurts my finger. But yesterday, or no, not yesterday, but when I, when I had the surgical wrapping on, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So... I cared so much about not wasting my time, I swapped my lenses out and went down to the botanic gardens, used autofocus because I didn't have much of a choice, and then and then like completely took photos with one hand, walking around looking like I just escaped from the hospital. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter that there was a limitation anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it was your limitation. Yeah. Just a different it, limitation. Yeah, it just it just doesn't matter that I was like I could have just been like waited said I could take photos next week when I have things, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want to stop posting daily because of uh, this injury. Yeah, I might at some point, but it will be on purpose. 
It'll be your not, decision. Not due to fate. Yeah. But I think that's the kind of dedication that I want to figure out how to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. When I have free time, it doesn't really matter if I could say, oh, I couldn't do photography perfectly. I can't use the lens that's my favorite. Yeah. Well, you can still do something instead of just waiting for the future to be better. That's mm-hmm. not how the hedonic treadmill works. You know, we already talked about this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is actually a decent follow-up to that. Yeah. I, I have to say that I was I was very relieved the afternoon you came down and started talking to me about all these sort of revelations you'd had and, like, all this kind of stuff you'd gone through. I don't think because, you can think you're going to die without some revelations. Yeah. Well, I hadn't really seen much of you before that because the surgeries were happening and everything and because, like, I was going to the office and you were not going to the office on those days. And I was just, like... I was, like, worried about your mental state and all of it because, you know, you're just like, I, I, all I can do right now is, like, watch documentaries. And I was like, how would I react in that situation? I was like, I was worried about. Oh, I hate TV, but I've been watching a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my few options right now. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously last week I, I did the episode solo because you were in surgery. Uh, and I was, this week I was, like, fighting between, like, do I just say I'll do it solo again or do I kind of, like, encourage you to do it with me because I, I didn't, I didn't want to make you feel like you didn't need to do anything because I was worried that that would like make you feel, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't, I don't like feeling useless. Yeah. But I'm taking this way better than I took my nerve injury because I have the yes. two years long nerve injury to compare this to. I'm like, Oh, well I can at least do things one handed. I can't really cook. I can't do a lot of stuff, but I can do anything. Mm hmm. Whereas with the nerve injury, it was just kind of, you're in, like, this hurts a little bit, but I'm not even taking the pain medication they gave me because it's nothing compared to the nerve injury. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. Yeah. This isn't that big of a deal now that I've made it through surgery. Yeah. Except for the weirdness that is having a metal rod sticking out of your finger. That is weird. That will never it not be unsettling. Metal, Wait. But... Yeah, yeah, that's the right. I used too many negatives and confused myself. It's like that painkiller movie. Except for instead of having, like, dozens of metal pins sticking out of your head, it's just one out of your finger. But it's yeah. it's pretty similar well, it's, other it's than so that. It's so weird, though, because I can't feel it most of the time. I know, it right? It feels like I should always notice it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird how your body just adapts to, like, a thing being there. Yeah. Uh, ooh, one lesson I learned, and this is, like, on a less philosophical note. Um, because you were driving back, you, had like, literally had to drive back from Minneapolis and spend 13 hours in the car. Yeah. Uh, I flew back to Denver and then tried to book the doctor's appointment for you because I was like, how are you going to drive with a broken finger and be on the phone and look up insurance things? So problematic. I now understand how to, uh, figure out doctors and network and insurance things. So I feel like that's an adulting upgrade. Because I don't have a primary care physician in Denver. I, don't, I haven't needed one. I don't one. either. So I really don't know. I didn't, well, until your thing, I didn't know how to use the medical system or the insurance. And this is like, it's sometimes a traumatic event just like puts you into overdrive and you're like, you have to solve something. And I'm like, all right, my friend needs surgery ASAP. How do I make this work? And um, I've learned how to do that. So it turns out you can go to the insurance company's website and there's usually like a network provider search tool. And that's how you. Yeah, maybe we should do an episode on how insurance works at some point because so that is just the most confusing nonsense. I thought about that, but we have like a large portion of the audience that isn't U.S. based. 
Oh yeah, that's true. Like it a large. So I, I, we've uh, done house buying episodes. We I, I guess a lot of the stuff we talk about in the house. We, buying we just have to put a lot of caveats on everything. Yeah, it's just so different because like the the way insurance works is so tied into how the government works. Yeah. Whereas like at least with a house, like most people do get a mortgage if they're going to buy a yeah, house. Regardless, like, you know, most people aren't they're they're like at. paying for a house outright just because they live in a different country. Yeah. So I don't know how we could make maybe it there's useful. a good resource somewhere maybe there is yeah or maybe we that, can like that does it a better job already maybe we can get a, res- a researcher to like put together a, you know comprehensive like insurance and medical resource yeah, and then it'd have to be updated like med- every single year as the laws uh, change it's a giant mess it is maybe maybe the lesson here is just maybe figure that stuff out before you desperately need it yes and i guess all i can say here is like i figured out how to do it and at least in the U.S., I remember calling the hospital first, and they couldn't tell me anything. So then I was like, I guess I have to go to the insurance provider, and that's what ended up yeah. helping. And then from there, uh, it, it was kind of funny because the this first surgeon I found was primarily a plastic surgeon, and I was trying to look up reviews. Yeah, but they're also a Yelp. hand surgeon. Yeah. yeah, so all the reviews except for like one or two were like, he did such a good job my facelift. And I'm like, should I really be sending well, him I w- to Well, I guy? also got a facelift <laughs> while I was there. Oh, okay. I'm real pretty now. That's why I'm going to leave this. Well, I'm probably going to have a scar on my nose. Maybe I'll go back. Maybe you can go back, yeah. No, I'm going to leave it. I'm he just going to look cool, and I'm going to tell everybody go. I got in a fight with a shark or something. That is a good story. And they lightly nipped my nose, and that's all that <laughs> happened. I'm not sure how I would make that happen, actually. Because you're really good at fighting sharks. Somebody else would have lost a limb. How would they I just even fit their jaw in such a way the that they'd, like, nipped my nose but didn't hit anywhere no, else? No, their, their skin is like teeth. Oh, okay. So maybe you just scraped your okay. nose against that must, the skin. I was nuzzling, you were like, I was nuzzling the shark, yes. trying to make it love me. Yeah, you, well, you try to and, calm the uh, shark first. Yeah, it's an angry shark for no reason. And then if it doesn't work, then you have to fight it. But it's like last resort. Yeah. Shark taming 101. <laughs> Sharks, they really just like long walks on the beach and, and you know, they just do. like slow romance. That's, yeah. that's what they're into. Exactly, especially if the they're The world judges sharks. them, and that can hurt you. It does hurt, yeah. It can make you lash out, you know, and like attack boats and, and stuff. This is... <laughs> Anybody who missed me on the podcast <laughs> now doesn't because this is a dumb non-lesson about shark romance. Hey, man, this is part of what this podcast is known for. That's people shark romance need to know what they're going to get when they listen to this podcast. Yeah, it's not all philosophy or tips on you know how to take advantage of your insurance. Oh no, because I like to try to sound smart, but I'm also an idiot. Yep. At the same time, same here. Ask our girlfriends. It's like Schrodinger's smart guy. Am I smart or stupid? <laughs> yes. Open the box and find out. Today it might be different. So the funny thing is uh, now the College Info Geek website is going to have two posts that are roughly titled what I learned from almost die- dying on a bike. Oh, yeah. Because I almost died on a bike too. Oh, yeah. But Not it was from, from a like crash. dehydration. It was and... from dehydration, yeah. That's, that, you could have died from that. That's some serious stuff right there. Drink yeah, that the water, was bad. kids. Um, do not push yourself to ride a bike more than you planned unless you bring provisions for We need to watch out on more bikes. than you planned. That's a weird yeah. coincidence. Yeah, we do. So now when I take a long bike ride, I bring more than one water bottle. And especially if I'm going out of a civilized area, I bring like a hydration pack and energy bars yeah. and a first aid kit. Oh, dude. So I was riding my bike. I didn't fall, but uh, I was riding my bike a couple months ago, and I saw a guy who had fallen, and he had big old scrape on his leg. Oh. So I'm like, no worries, bro. Let me get my first aid kit out. 
somebody had stolen my first aid kit out of my bike. Of because course, welcome they did, to Denver. Because the who steals a first aid kit? I never had anything stolen from me until until we moved, until we moved and immediately yeah. my bike's gone. I can understand stealing a multi-tool because that's like $45. I can understand stealing maybe the phone case I had in there that yeah. mounts to my bike stem. Why would you steal a first aid kit? Stealing's a dangerous business. Some people fight back. I guess that's true. You might you get scraped keep it on up you. and you're going to you're yeah. going to want to like, "Hold on. I need a band-aid now." Yeah. Well, I, I was like, I was so mad about that that I, like, I wanted to move out of my apartment right away. Uh, I solved that by buying a locked storage shed indoors instead yeah. of keeping my bike locked into in the parking garage. So people can't just be walking. Wait, what happened to the guy? Is he alive? He's fine. This guy died and you so, were just like, well, I should have had my first aid it kit. It just so happened that even though I didn't have a first aid kit, I did have a single wet wipe in the bike. So, so I that gave was him enough. the wet okay. wipe and I'm like, at least you can use this to disinfect it. And we weren't like, we weren't out okay. in the sticks. Like he was probably a mile away from a gas station. He was like, yes, I can ride. So I'm going to go to a gas oh, station. That's, I'm going to clean that's, it up. That's cool. But I was that's just good. like, but he could have been hurt worse. And I didn't have my first aid kit because somebody stole it. Yeah. So yes, now I have a locked shed and nobody can steal my aid first kit. aid kit. Oh, I need a second aid kit. That's true. That'll yeah. get him. Uh, but keep first aid kit on you when biking. That is another thing. Well, we were on vacation, so I didn't have a first aid kit with me. Luckily, yeah. there were two people with medical training. That was helpful. We were on the mountain. That was helpful. And it's also helpful that they just happened to see us when they were riding the lift. And, like, they could have easily, like, not seen us and then taken way longer to get down there and help you out. That's true. So that was serendipitous. Yeah. It Anywho. all worked out. This is, you know. Yeah, I think it's it worked okay. out. That should hopefully what get back to do? full function, and then I can go back to it. Oh, they said I you. can play piano again later. Good. So that's basically the hardest thing I can imagine needing it for. Well, that and uh, and rock climbing. Well, that too, that too. But if I can play piano, which I play obsessively, and yeah. it's like the reason that my arms are stronger than expected for somebody who doesn't work out, Like I feel like I'm going to push it hard enough. That yeah. It should be good for rock climbing. And I feel like rock climbing, unlike mountain biking, is a sport that while it has risks, the way that we're going to do it is much less risky because we just go to a gym and like... I feel like it's a lot more slow paced. It's super slow paced. The worst that's going to happen as long as, you know, if you're being belayed, as long as your belay partner is trained properly and paying attention or if you're using the auto belay, you're fine. Worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to, I don't know, like split your hand, your skin on a hold which I will yeah, probably like, do well, very Yeah, like you're soon. controlling the speed. It's not like yeah. it's not like the downhill mountain biking where like, okay, rock climb, and I have to go super fast, and I can't stop moving. Yeah, it's not like, a sport that needs like intense reaction speed. It's, it's just it's all about like strategy mm-hmm. and slowly deciding what's the most reasonable thing. I guess you could fall off the bouldering wall and get hurt, but if you're I on, could, I could fall off of it and get hurt, but I would still be more likely to see that coming. Yes. Yeah, very true. I don't and, unexpectedly grab a rock. Mm-hmm. I see that I'm about to move. It's actually interesting. Um, yesterday we took the belay class and we went up to the bouldering wall afterwards and the guy teaching the class was like, we get the most of our injuries at the bouldering wall. And I was like, oh, because the bouldering wall is way shorter. Yeah. But it's it's hugely padded at the bottom. So I'm like, oh, what, you know, what could happen? Well, people fall off the wall at the wrong angle and they're like, land on one foot and twist an ankle because they were falling with rotation or things like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas on the, the higher routes, yes, it's higher, but you are roped in. So 
you're yeah. unlikely to get truly hurt unless you, I don't know, fall off the wall and then like swing back and bang your head or something. Yeah, lots of new safety considerations that I might yeah. actually pay attention to now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think that... that yeah, that's, that's basically that it. Uh, I didn't die. Things are okay. And uh, live, live good lives or whatever. Because yeah. you never know. You might wake up having flipped off a mountain bike going downhill somehow. That's true. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, you, you did kind of wake up from it. Yeah, there, there, there are a few seconds where I like have no idea what happened because mm-hmm. it was so fast. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And I'm glad that some good came out of it. Yep. All right. What is this? 229? Yep. Um, That's I don't, it. I don't know if we talked about anything that is worth linking to. I guess if you want to read my blog post about how I almost died in a mountain bike and what uh, I learned from that. Bike safety. Bike safety, These are the yeah. one-two resources. Um, so we'll link to that. And maybe we'll link to some, like, mountain biking safety stuff in case I think people may be interested in mountain biking. It seems like a growing sport. It is cool. I think I'll try it again, not downhill. Yeah, we'll honestly. go to some place that's like nice, flat, cross-country, easy stuff. Yeah. Just like fun, you know, like a chill ride. Yeah. Uh, anywho, cigpodcast.com slash 229 to find whatever show notes there may be for this episode. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can also click the link in the description down below to get those show notes as well. If you guys enjoy the podcast, if you guys enjoy Martin being here, um, one way to support us is to write a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever uh, you listen to podcasts, you might want to do that so you can get new episodes delivered directly to your device every single Monday morning at, what is it, 8 a.m. EST, something like that? Something like that. Something around 8 in the morning, New York City time. It, It will definitely be up by at least then. Yeah, sometimes earlier maybe, but yeah, it's a good way to get the podcast in a format where you can listen to it on the go. Uh, So definitely do that if you haven't done that already. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I think that's about it. So we'll see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.